and gentlemen, this is the Truckers Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Fulmonen, Ontario, Canada. Current events, local world news and trending. Welcome to the show this Sunday. This is the 5th of September at 9 a.m. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining me this morning. Well, here we are. This is the um, the final um, long weekend, statutory holiday long weekend um, here across uh, Canada. Um, the Labor Day weekend, um, officially marking, you know, the end of uh, school holidays, which all schools are returning back to in-class learning on Tuesday, September the 7th. So I hope everybody out there here across Canada, here in Ontario, Canada, everybody's out there um, enjoying yourselves. And um, the weather is supposed to be really nice. Uh, this entire weekend, uh, we're going to be um, in the low 80s. So get out there um, and enjoy the cottage, enjoy the beach, enjoy the parks, and uh, get out there and have fun with the family. So this has been um, in the news um, for some time. Um, of course, other things are happening um around the world obviously here in canada we're having our federal election uh which election day is september the 20th so this has kind of been you know put on the back burners um it was a hot topic um for some time and this has to do with the residential, the residential school system here in Canada. Um, it has to do with the indigenous people of Canada. Now, these residential schools, they existed in Canada from the 17th century until the late 1990s. And during the 19th and the 20th centuries, a formal system for the residential schools of indigenous children was established and expanded throughout Canada. This was a time, you know, when we get into the mid 1800s, when um, Sir A. Macdonald was the first prime minister of Canada. Now, in the 1880s, it is estimated that at least 150,000 First Nation um, Inuit and Metis children attended residential schools during this period. 
These schools were largely operated by churches and religious organizations, and one particular church was the Catholic Church. And it was funded by the federal government as a key aspect of colonialism. The system was imposed on indigenous people as part of a broad set of assimilation efforts to destroy their rich cultures and identities and to suppress their histories. The accounts of residential school survivors provide critical insight into the devastating experiences children had at residential schools and the long-term impacts of these experiences, not only on survivors, but also on their families and communities throughout the system's history. See, back over in, in, you know, in the early spring and into the summertime, um, they were able to discover unmarked graves around where these residential schools were. And in one particular site, it was over 150 children. And not far from where the, the residential school used to stand. The first boarding schools for the indigenous children in what would become Canada, Canada were established by Roman Catholic missionaries in the 17th century. Now, with the colonization of Indus territories in the years following Confederation, the Canadian government established and expanded a formal system for residential schools throughout legislation and policies, policies with the goal of accelerating the assimilation of indigenous peoples in, into settler society. So what they were trying to do is when they would take these children, these indigenous children from their families, I mean taken without permission and sent to these residential schools where they would be stripped from their heritage, their language, dressed in white man's clothes, their hair cut really short, now The residential schools operate in addition to federally funded day schools, which were often run by religious organizations in the, in the 1950s and 60s. And the federal government began to pursue a policy of integration in southern Canada, whereby the First Nations children would attend schools in the provincial school system, especially for the higher grades. In the north, and in the north, the government administered a system of, of, of um, hostels and day schools for First Nations, Inuit, and Metis children. Many Metis students were already attending provincial schools. In practice, the process of integrating students and then closing residential schools took decades and only ending in the 1990s. See, we, you know, part of the history, and when you learn history in school, none of this was taught in our history classes. This is something that was swept under the tables 
by religious organizations, government, that myself and so many Canadians never learn anything about the residential school system. And during the years that the systems was in place, children were forcibly removed from their homes and at school were often subject to harsh discipline, malnutrition and starvation, poor health care, physical, emotional and sexual abuse, neglect and the deliberate suppression of their cultures and languages. Thousands of children died while attending residential schools and the burial sites of many remain unknown. And they've only discovered a few here across Canada. The Truth of Reconciliation Commission of Canada described the residential school system as a cultural genocide. The intergenerational effects of the trauma include lower levels of education and social attainment interpersonal violence and broken relationships between parents and children. Residential schools undermine fundamental aspects of the indigenous cultures by separating indigenous peoples from their traditional knowledge and ways of life, language, family structures, and connections to the land. Now, The federal government and not all provincial governments are talking about a national day for truth and reconciliation. Now, back when Sir A. Macdonald was the prime minister of Canada, the first prime minister, of Canada, one of his quotes, let's not make reconciliation a political football. We wanted to provide a perspective of, of Prime Minister John A. Macdonald that is often overlooked in our fall, <clears throat> as he was you know, under the India, Indian Act, um, the government of Canada on, on ever increasingly and respects of serious acts and policies directed towards the assimilation of the original inhabitants. One of his quotes down here Is what he said. It is a worthy of consideration whether leg, uh, legislative measures should not be adopted for the establishment of some kind of a municipal system among such bans um, as are found justify the experiment being tried it is hoped that a system may be adopted which will have the effect of uh, customizing the Indians 
into modes of government prevalent to the white communities. And that we will thus tend to prepare them for earlier amalgamation with the general population in this country. He said this in 1880. He also said, when the school is on the reserve, the child lives with its parents who are savages. And though they may learn to read and write, his habits and training mode of thought are Indian. He is simply a savage who can read and write. It has been strongly impressed upon myself as head of the department, the Indian children should be withdrawn as much as possible from the parental influence. And the only way to do that would be put to put them in a central training industrial schools where, where they will require the habits and modes of thought of white man, 1879. Now, in 1910 to 1914, Duncan Campbell Scott, as Deputy Superintendent General of Indian Affairs, took the groundwork of McDonald's legacy of repressive policies towards indigenous peoples further down further down the line it is really acknowledged that indian children lose their natural resistance to illness by habitating so closely in these schools and they are, and they die at much higher rates than in their villages but this alone does not justify a change in the policy of the department, which is being geared towards the final solution of the Indian, you know, of the Indian problem. Somehow aboriginals who this land belongs to them, somehow they were a problem. Now the system was open to criticism. Insufficient care was exercised in the admission of children to the schools. The well-known and it resulted in a very large percentage of deaths among the pupils. They were housed in buildings not carefully designed for school purposes and these buildings became infected and dangerous to the inmates, they call them inmates. <laughs> it is quite within the mark to say that 50% of the children who passed through these schools did not live, been, uh, did not live to benefit from the education which they had received. Now, throughout the history 
and these things coming to light. And even though, you know, the Aboriginal people and um, their chiefs always, you know, talked about what happened in these residential schools and nobody listening as though, you know, this was, this was made up and how they were treated. People would think, well, how could they be, you know, how could they be treated so, so badly? The truth has come out of so many survivors of these residential schools. And this is surely a black eye on the history of Canada. You know, back in the days of slavery throughout the United States, you know, Canada played a part in the Underground Railroad to bring blacks into Canada doing a good deed. To make Canada look like we are the country that we treat people with respect. When in fact, these residential schools tell a whole different story about our history here in Canada. Politicians are talking about this today and talking about a national day for truth. Now, they're trying to mark this day for a national day for truth and reconciliation with a federal holiday, you know, by, you know, by the end of, of, of this, of this month as a statutory holiday. Now here in Ontario, the Ontario government says it still has not decided on how to uh, commemorate the federally recognized National Day for Truth and Reconciliation on September 30th and whether or not it will mark the day as an official provincial statutory holiday. The federal government established a new statutory holiday in July to commemorate the, the, the tragic leg, legacy of the residential schools in Canada. And the decision responds to the uh, ADS call to action and the truth in the Reconciliation Commission's report.
No, back in the day, you know, when I was in grade school, um, November the 11th, um, also known as Remembrance Day here in Canada, it was a national day for remembrance of our fallen soldiers of the first war. The 11th hour, the 11th month, the 11th day ended the First World War. Business, government, schools were closed to recognize our fallen soldiers of the First World War. Eventually, it was removed as a statutory holiday at the provincial levels, still federally. It is, it is a federal day that federal employees of the government is like that don't go to work. Should we have a national day for truth and reconciliation? For the indigenous people of this nation? Should it be a statutory holiday? Should it, should it be some sort of public public day, you know, like the, the August long weekend here in Canada, it, it, it is not a statutory holiday. We have family day in November, uh, sorry, in February, which a lot of people do get it off. Some people don't. And of course, all the other statutory holidays throughout the year. Being this weekend, Monday, is a statutory holiday for the, for the labor movement in this country. From back in the early days where the people stood up to their employers and demand and, and demanded better workplaces, more money, less hours. And the labor movement still goes on today. And of course, Labor Day weekend, the Monday marks this statutory holiday in remembrance for all the people who had stood up to to the to the working conditions 
in the jobs that we have today that workers have rights. So back in the time when these residential schools were operating, it's obvious that these indigenous families, these people of this nation basically had no rights. Taken from their homes against their will. Stripped of their heritage, their culture, their culture, their language. Being called savages. And that somehow, some way, the government thinks that they're going to transform these people into a white man's society. When it was indigenous people who had this land first. Whether this should be, become a statutory holiday or a, a national day of recognition and truth. You know, it has to be, it has to be something. Whether we get the day off or not, I guess it's going to come down to the Ontario government. Of course, the federal government and all federal employees, you know, they would certainly have that day off. I feel that in, in today's society, with all the movements out there, you know, and including Black Lives Matter, a national day is what we should have. Because like I said, when I went to school, when I was in grade school and we're learning the history uh, of, our, of our country, none of this, of these residential schools are in our history books. They're talking about having it in our history books and they're talking about being taught in our school system. And it should be. The government and all Canadians alike have called on the Catholic Church, the Pope, for an apology. Two words that we were expecting to come out of the Pope's mouth was that 
or sorry. Those two words were never spoken from the Pope. And over the course of the spring and summer of probably right now three and still are coming of unmarked graves of the indigenous people who didn't survive. Family members had no idea what happened to their children. They weren't allowed to see their family members. They were taken far away from, from where they were originally from, whether it was British Columbia, Alberta, Manitoba, and even Ontario, Quebec. That these children could not make their way home. Some were flown out of their communities. And this was to make sure that they would not have any contact with their family. Forcefully removed from their parents stripped of their culture, heritage, their language. A national day for truth and reconciliation is deserving. And it should happen. I don't understand how these residential schools were able to operate well into the mid-1990s. It's beyond me. The government of Canada cannot say they didn't know what was going on there. Because they did know. Or as they didn't want to hear it from the survivors. This is a black eye on this nation that maybe someday will heal, but it's going to take a long time. Myself, I stand with indigenous people. To hear about what happened during this era of these residential schools, not only is it heartbreaking, it's disturbing. It's an embarrassment. And even with the treaties, throughout the decades and centuries with the indigenous people, 
there still needs to be more done. They shouldn't have to, they shouldn't have to, you know, argue to have what they believe or is their land. Back in the early 90s, Ipperwash comes into mind. Now the Ipper, the, 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 uh, Ipperwash camp. Sorry, I, I missed your, I missed your, uh, your call there. The Ipperwash camp back during the Second World War was for training for the military. It was occupied by the indigenous people. And the indigenous people were told that when the war is over, we will give you back the Ipperwash camp. Well, they never did. So in the early 1990s, they occupied it, the indigenous people. Because the military wasn't using it for nothing. They just sat there vacant. So they occupied it. Somehow that became a problem for the government. A life lost. And eventually they lay claim to the upper wash camp. It actually looks pretty good right now. The treatment of the indigenous people you know on the exception of you know not not picking cotton and slavery treated pretty poorly by the government and even on the east coast of Canada in the fisheries somehow They, 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 they don't have, uh, have the right to fish the waters at certain times. The ocean it should be for for everybody to to, to fish, but also be protected because our oceans are important to us. Now, 
that is still, you know, an, an, uh, an ongoing thing here in Canada. Even, you know, with, you know, the indigenous people and the white man. The white man targeting the fisheries of the indigenous people. As though they lay claim to the ocean. And that the indigenous people don't have the right in the fisheries. The ongoing fight, the struggles, the trials and tribulations of the indigenous people is a continuation of really how they were treated in these residential schools. a National Day for Truth and Reconciliation should come about across all of Canada, all the provinces and the territories. Doesn't matter where you're from, ladies and gentlemen, that all should be treated with respect, dignity. And all this racial BS that has been gone on for centuries needs to stop. We live in the 21st century and you think racism would be gone. Unfortunately, it's not, and it probably won't be. We weren't born racist, ladies and gentlemen. Racism is taught. And until we can stop that, unfortunately, racism will continue. Treatment of others because of their culture, their heritage, of where they come from in this world. needs to stop. I can tell you all lives matter. The so the so-called thing, 
the white supremacy as though we are on top, which is such a BS. It is such BS. And somehow these radical groups think they have this, the superiority because it was drilled into their heads by their parents. You don't learn it, you're taught it. We're not, we, we weren't born it. They were taught it. The way the indigenous people of this land here in Canada were treated is racism. And like I said, it still goes on, whether you're black, whether you're indigenous, whether you're Chinese, whether you're Korean, whether you're from the Middle East. Because of the way, the way you dress, the color of your skin. Somehow that makes them a lesser individual than you and me, not so. They are the same as you and me. A National Day for Truth and Reconciliation on the Indigenous People. And it's, you know, it even with Black Lives Matter. For Truth and Reconciliation. For all of us. Why the Ontario government is sitting on their hands, mulling around the idea of a day for the truth and reconciliation, I have no idea. You know, just like the provincial government sitting on their hands and mulling around the idea for a vaccine passport or a vaccine card. And finally, that's going to happen. Coming into effect on September the 22nd. That you must be fully vaccinated in order to get into restaurants, bars, movie theaters, sporting events, concerts. This should not be difficult to decide on a National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. Whether they just make it a, uh, a recognized day or they, they, they make it a, a stat holiday, regardless, 
This is not rocket science. So why the Ontario government sitting on their hands? I think it should be a statutory holiday. It's time that we learn what took place. All the way back to the 17th century, all the way up to the mid-1990s with these residential schools. And it's time that we learn and we understand what took place. And it's time that it is taught in our school system. In our history books. From, from previous prime ministers of this country Both of y'all usually stand up and apologize. But apologies only go so far. Action speaks louder than words. And in this case, action is needed. I guess we're here in, here in the province of, of Ontario where I reside. I guess we're just going to have to just sit and wait to see whether the provincial government marks this day of September 30th. Whether it's going to be just a national day or that it's going to be a statutory holiday. I guess we'll have to wait to find out. But thank you for taking the time and joining me this morning, ladies and gentlemen, here on the Truckers Podcast. I appreciate you coming out this morning, taking the time out of your day to join me here. Enjoy the the rest of your weekend, from no, no matter where you are in the world. And here across Canada, the statutory holiday, Labor Day weekend, which tomorrow is the official holiday, statutory holiday, Monday. So take care, ladies and gentlemen. Be safe. Give your your loved ones a hug and tell them that you love them. This is the Truckers Podcast. I'm your host, Doug, from London, Ontario, Canada. Thank you. Take care.